0: Protect the Rock is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. I like football, but I love Taylor Swift, and you guys know this, Grace does too. Turns out Game Time is the best way to get tickets from everything from sporting events, like Clemson football games, to shows by artists like Taylor Swift. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off.
1: And we're gonna enjoy this tonight, but on Friday, we're gonna have another team meeting and we're gonna get locked in on next year.
0: Welcome back to Protect the Rock, the Clemson podcast. I am Nicole Auerbach. She is Grace Rayner. And we, as a podcast, and the team that we cover, are officially playoff-bound. It is finally here. We are in the season that matters. Clemson is ACC champions, but more importantly, number three in the college football playoff rankings. And setting up a nice fiesta bowl date with Ohio State in the most anticipated, I would think, of the two national semifinals. Grace, what is your overall, what was your initial reaction to Clemson being at number three and the draw?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Clemson at three is pretty much what we all expected. Um, I know that obviously Clemson has had some thoughts about that, but I think that was pretty standard. No big surprises there. Um, and then you look at Clemson, Ohio State. I mean, I think this is a really fun game. I don't, I don't see this being a repeat of 2016 where it's 31-0. Ohio State's getting shut out for the first time since 1993. I mean, we've talked about this a ton on this podcast before. These are the most, these are the two most complete teams in the country, and now we're going to get to see who's truly better.
0: Yeah, I think the one thing I thought about watching all of the different games on Championship Saturday was that. Clemson, like my main takeaway was that I think Clemson's the best team in the country. And I think that's fair. I understand that people probably felt the same way watching LSU just throttle Georgia. Um, People maybe thought the same about Ohio State after they gutted it out. But, you know, I just thought that Clemson truly is firing on all cylinders at the perfect time. And Ohio State was, really had their heels, they were on their heels. I mean, they, they were struggling wisconsin was doing stuff to them that they were not able to do the first go around like they were able to kind of neutralize chase young they were able to run the ball with jonathan taylor jack Cohn was scrambling himself there were some short um short passes that really worked like the intermediate passing game like there was a lot of interesting things that wisconsin was doing and then justin fields wasn't limited was limited by his mobility so It's going to be a totally different game, but I do think that there's probably things that Clemson could pull from maybe parts of the Penn State game, but definitely Wisconsin, the second go around, um, that could potentially open some things up for Clemson when they go up against Ohio State. Now, on the other side, like, I'm not sure, you know, even if you looked at like the North Carolina game film, I'm not sure anything that anyone did against Clemson is something you could necessarily like extrapolate from if you're the Buckeyes.
1: I do think that it could be interesting, and we saw a little bit of this Saturday night in Charlotte. It did seem like Tanner Muse, who's been so good all season, and Nicole, we've raved about him a lot on this podcast, he had some struggles, and, and Clemson benched him early, and that, I think, was an uncharacteristic development that, I, I don't know, I want to look into more about what went wrong there, but that's something that if I'm looking at, okay, maybe you can extrapolate something on film here. Maybe Justin Fields looks at what Bryce Perkins did to... Tanner Mews specifically, and tries mm-hmm. to take something out of that. But um, but then, I, I don't know. I mean, Brent Venables has three weeks to plan for this, and that's a really scary sentence to hear out loud if you're Ohio State. But again, if we're nitpicking, which we sometimes have to do on this podcast with how well Clemson has played, uh, that's something that I'm interested to see sort of what Justin Fields makes of.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I just think it's, it's so exciting. I mean, we've been saying for a few weeks we'd love to see these two teams go head-to-head because – we think they're both more complete than LSU. Um, and I, I just think it's, it's, it's compelling because you have Ryan Day, the Ohio State coach, is in their first season. He has not yet lost a game as the head coach of Ohio State. He had those three games last year, all of them this year. One of my favorite things that occasionally happens in a Ryan Day press conference or scrum is like someone will remind him that, like, hey, Ryan, you know, at some point you're going to lose a game and then he's like he makes <laughs> this like face like he's not very happy about thinking about that thought um and i just i think about that a lot because it's just so rare to see such a seamless transition of power like we we we're taking it for granted now because we saw it happen with Bob Stoops to Lincoln Riley and now Urban Meyer to Ryan Day but it's super rare that that works out that smoothly and then to be totally unblemished and to be competing for a national championship in year 1 it's really remarkable. And this was entering the season. Like this was a year where people were like, Oh, Ohio state is gettable. Like new coach, new quarterback. Like they're going to have to take a step back. And instead they took all these steps forward, especially defensively. Plus Justin Fields has been really, really good when healthy. So that's why like from a standpoint of new and interesting and, stuff that we didn't expect to happen this year, Ohio state is one of those teams, even though by this point in the season, like we're all pretty comfortable being like, Oh yeah, they're, they're just really, really good. Like if you think back to the way we talked about this team in August, that's not the narrative that was set with this program.
1: Yeah. I'm, I think too, what makes this particular matchup so interesting is that obviously Ryan day did it faster than Dabo Sweeney did, but I think you can see a little bit of each other in one another. I mean Dabo is very familiar with being handed the keys as the interim and go see what can happen and his first year, he wins ACC championship. But then the year after that, 2010, they have a losing season. He kind of has some growing pains. And then ever since then, it's been foot on the gas, 10 win seasons every single year since 2011. So I think that, not that Ryan Day needs any sympathy or empathy, but I, I do think there's a compelling point here in that if there's someone who understands just how challenging Ryan Day's job has been, it was Dabo Sweeney.
0: How about this, Grace? This is my favorite fun fact about the 14 playoff field. All of the coaches were promoted from within and two of them Whoa. were obviously head coach in waitings in Lincoln right. Riley and Ryan day. And then coach O and Dabo were interim coaches that were not necessarily the most popular pick. Wow. You're so right. I love it. I think that is I such a cool too. story because we're so used to people just, you know, who's the highest bidder for the hot name and coaching. Right. And these were four coaches in four scenarios that worked out but we're totally different, and and kind of staying the course, staying within your culture and your program, maybe doing what's a little bit unpopular, and they all worked out. So I love that, and I think that all the coaches kind of can can have that sense of camaraderie. Not that they need it, like you said, but just that that exists. And um, you know, we both were on the teleconference on Sunday where Ryan Day and Dabo Swinney were, were talking about each other and the respect they have for each other's programs. And I just thought that the compliments were were funny because they were so similar. Um, so similar about, you know, the, the dynamic offenses and quarterbacks and really good defenses. Like they, these two programs really do mirror each other in a lot of ways. Like not necessarily schematically, but like big picture wise.
1: Sure. I also thought too, and tell me if you agree with this, I, I walked away from that teleconference, which well well, the teleconference itself was kind of a dumpster fire. But <laughs> it
0: was. Dabo was like I don't like going through a wind tunnel, like something was happening, maybe some was, screaming yeah. children in the background. It was unclear.
1: We had screaming children, we couldn't hear Dabo, then the operator got some journalist names wrong, and then the journalist kinda of started mocking the operator. I don't know. It's kind of a mess. However, one of the things that I did take away from the teleconference was I got the sense that Ryan Day has either kept up with Clemson all year or has already seen quite a bit of film on them. I mean, he was name dropping basically their entire starting offense (laughs) one hour after they got this assignment.
0: And all of their tendencies. So I I had the same thought. I wondered, I, I mean, there's always a lag between like the announcement of a matchup and then these teleconferences which are basically just pleasantries and everyone just gets a couple quotes to plug into their stories but he like had a full-down breakdown and it was almost like you know when you interview a coach on a Saturday night after a game and you try to ask them about their next opponent they'll always be like give you something super vague and say like they haven't started watching film yet and then on Monday they give you like this super detailed breakdown it was like a Monday breakdown of Clemson. It was. It It was was. so thorough. Like the personnel was so thorough. And do you think that like last night he saw what the projections were, saw they were probably going to get Ohio State and started, sorry, saw they were going to get Clemson and And started started watching film? I don't know. I think it's
1: possible. I mean, we were in Davos press conference. And uh, so Ohio State and Clemson were obviously playing at the same time. And someone had asked him, okay, look, there's three undefeated teams, you know, kind of to walk through his, uh, how you how you're going to figure out who's number one? And Dabo kind of was having a give and take with the reporters too. He's like, "Did Ohio State win? Like, what was the score? Was it close?" And then he kind of deduced in the moment. He said, "Okay, um, I think it could go either way, but I think LSU is going to be one. I don't know. You could just kind of tell that Dabo kind of had an inclination too that it was probably going to be Ohio State." And well, then... they
0: were pay- they're paying attention.
1: Yeah, like, they are. They pretend oh, they're not, but they're paying
0: attention. Like Ryan Day spent Saturday night like trying to promote Ohio State as the number one, right? Like you wanted to be number one, Um, but clearly he knew it was there. So like I do, I do wonder if after those games they already start watching film because at that point, you know, like it's one of two opponents. You could at least start there, you know, like if you're going to be one or two or if you're Clemson, if you're three, you're going to face one or two, whichever order they are, like you could get a jump on it.
1: You could, yeah. And then I, I don't know, Brent Venables was kind of talking about it too and um I was telling Mike our producer this off air that it was kind of funny someone was asking him okay you know do you keep tabs on what's going on Clemson obviously played at night and he turned um Georgia LSU on and just couldn't handle it the way that he talked about Ohio State too I don't know you just I don't know maybe I'm trying to be too body language expert here but it just kind of seemed like his eyes got a little wider he kind of like took a deep breath I don't know you could just tell there was a a real admiration and respect for Ohio state who we probably knew at that point. Okay. This is, this is maybe what we're going to see
0: here. Yeah, I agree. And, and listen, I'm sure they didn't want to necessarily get each other, especially if you're Ohio state, like, sure. you know, you would prefer the four, you know, the four spot, but for everyone else, like it is just such an interesting matchup. Um, And you really do hope that those, these three weeks get Justin Fields healthy because he was not very mobile. There were very few design quarterback runs in the Big Ten Championship game. And it really takes something away from them because much like Clemson, they have these multi, like, multi-dimensional like offense in a lot of different ways they can beat you. Um, but Justin Fields, like, he was off throwing and also wasn't scrambling. And, and those are very important things for him in the way that their offense runs. Um, but it's so interesting because like in this game, you've got great receiving cores, great running backs, um you know JK Domins and Travis Etienne are you know arguably the, the two best running backs in the country like it's just going to be sure. such a cool matchup of like strength versus strength on both sides of the ball um and a chess match like you said i mean you got Ryan Day who's this great offensive mind um going up against Brent Venables who has already kind of revamped his defense he's restructured it to play to its strengths this year um and what does that look like with 3 weeks to prepare it's 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 really interesting and Um, I I wanted to get your thoughts, though, like in that hour or so before the announcement came out, Grace, there were a lot of people making the point that if everyone is so concerned about avoiding Clemson, should maybe Clemson just be the number one team in the country? Like if that was the narrative that it Mm -hmm. mattered so much, like what did that say about the system itself? Like we've talked about how the resume wasn't going to be there, but the merit what do you what do you make of that that question in general?
1: when I saw that on Twitter, it kind of perked my antenna up because i hadn't really thought about it like that we've just we've just thought so much about okay big picture eye test i mean getting into the mind of the committee as we know and have discussed was kind of impossible this year because they were so inconsistent uh, but I think it's a good point I mean if you're so scary and so complete and so dangerous to where teams are making their pitch to be number one so they don't have to see you until potentially the national championship game. I don't know. That's to me, that's valid. That that has some merit to it.
0: So here's the way that Rob Mullins, the college football playoff selection committee chair. This is the way he talked about these teams. So he said the committee held LSU and Ohio State in the highest regard. We flip between them one and two, three times this season. Um, he He's mentioned that that was their toughest decision that they had to make was one versus two. Um, this is how we talked about Clemson. Quote, Clemson continued its powerful performance against everyone it played. It is true that they do not have the same strength of schedule as some other schools, but the committee believes they are so strong and so dominant that they are the number three team in the nation. Um, and, and I thought that that was a, we, we've seen the language kind of get stronger and stronger as the season went on. Um, but to me, that was saying like, hey, if they just had like one or two quality wins, they could have been number one.
1: Yeah, I I think that I don't think that's off base at all. I mean, and you tweeted this out on Sunday. I mean, Clemson didn't get its first win over a ranked opponent in the actual CFP top 25 until Saturday night because Virginia came in at the bottom. I mean, A&M dropped out. I don't know how quickly it was that they dropped out after week two when Clemson beat them, but it does make you wonder, yeah, okay, you get one or two more marquee wins over top 25 teams? I don't know. I mean, I don't... I, yeah, I
0: don't even think they would have needed to be top 10, top 15. But to me, and I think the committee would agree with kind of the way we all view this nationally, there are three great teams this year. And then there's a yes. the drop-off.
1: Right. And,
0: and I think that, you know, the, the, the opening lines on these games show that. I mean, I believe that... Um, Oklahoma opened as like an 11 and a half point underdog. Like that is just a crazy line when you're talking about elite teams. But the other one, I think it was Ohio state opened as a one point underdog or favorite. Right. So like there's, there's three teams that are comparable and then there's one that's not has a great offense, but that's it. And so, um, it sort of feels like the committee believes that justified that as well. It was also strange just this isn't tied to Clemson, but Georgia was apparently in the running for that fourth spot, even after a 27-point loss. So it was just so weird. I thought that was weird. It was a weird year for the committee. Like, it was pretty clear-cut, but it was. then also strange.
1: Yeah, the committee, I think, was, yeah, like we said, they were just so, one week it was the eye test, one week it was strength of schedule, one team. I don't, I don't know. It just felt like they held a bunch of different teams to... Different standards. I I still don't know, even now in the aftermath, that I'm fully uh, can comprehend like, okay, this is what they valued and why, and oh, this makes sense.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and I think it ultimately works out fine. I mean, you could have made a case for possibly flipping Ohio State and Clemson at 2 3. Sure. But if you really wanted to, but yeah, it's just that at that point, it's just jerseys. And um what what about the trip? What about it being in Arizona? Is that this is obviously somewhere where Clemson has played? Um what do you expect to see from like the fans, from a travel standpoint, atmosphere standpoint?
1: I that I think is really a really good question because I remember I was there for 2016 when Clemson beat Ohio State 31-0 and it was very Ohio State heavy and I I don't I I think then maybe Clemson fans were Saving their money for the title. I don't know. I mean, obviously, this is a really long trip, and Clemson's alumni base is not nearly as large as Ohio State's is. So, I don't know. I kind of expect it to be Ohio State heavy again. Honestly, I really think that um, I mean, there's just more of them. On it, obviously. you know who but will
0: lo- you know who will love that.
1: Who? little
0: old Clemson
1: little Clemson little Clemson needs better phone service though like little (laughs) Clemson actually was little Clemson on that teleconference we could not hear anything Dabo was saying
0: now do you think that he is ultimately happy with where they were I mean you know you can say all you want about and he has about being undefeated being a defending, defending national champ being at three not higher um wanting to be in this thing and going from there. I mean, like, Coach O and LSU have taken, like, a totally different approach, saying they don't care where they started. They just wanted a chance. Like, they'll play anyone, anywhere, anytime. Like, everyone's kind of had different approaches to this from, like, a public – again, a lot of this is, like, kind of psychological, kind of motivational stuff. Like, is Dabo happy that they are number three, they're playing Ohio State, that they are going to Arizona for the national semifinal?
1: that is a good question because figuring out Dabo these past few weeks has been more challenging than usual I don't know <laughs> I don't know that I would say that he's happy I mean look we saw it on ESPN on Sunday they announced Clemson is number three and then um the first clip they show now granted I'm sure Clemson celebrated and maybe we didn't see some of that but the first clip they show on ESPN is Dabo telling his team you're the first team since whatever 1966 um to start the season, number one, go undefeated, and then get dropped to three, which I don't think is true because of the whole Florida State conversation, right?
0: Yes. Like, I think Um, that was a made-up statistic.
1: Or maybe it was – I think he maybe chose the AP poll. I don't know. Right. Well,
0: Florida State, the first year of the playoff, was number three.
1: Yeah. I think he must have been talking about the AP poll. Anyway, so I don't know. I mean, I just don't – that doesn't seem like something – if you're happy about it, that's one of the first things you say. And we've heard Clemson – I mean, Kayvon Wallace – Um, was certainly a little, um, what's the word I'm looking for, outspoken last week on the matter and called it ridiculous that he hasn't lost a game since his sophomore year and they're number three. So I don't know. I'm having a little bit of a hard time uh, separating, okay, what part of this is them manipulating the situation to motivate themselves and what part of this is them actually being mad? Because I do think that it's a little bit of both. Uh, But but I don't know. Tracking it has been has been weird. We're kind of in uncharted territory.
0: Right. And, And we're talking about a team that just won 62 to 17, is 13 and 0 in the playoff for the fifth straight year. And we're like, are they happy with this? Like, we can't tell because it has been it's been a weird month. And like the teleconference, I was texting you during it because, you know, in a lot of these settings where you get different media contingents in the same place, like, Debo got asked about North Carolina and the scare and what changed Mm -hmm. and all of his favorite topics again for the first time in a while, because this is a totally different media contingent and they're trying to figure out what happened with Clemson and what about all those mistakes early? And he is sticking to his talking points. Like we were dominant the first four games, like the North Carolina game taught us you got, you can't turn the ball over like all of these things, but you can tell he's just like annoyed that those are things again. And So it isn't just happiness. Like, it for sure isn't. And I think he knows he has a tough path to the playoff. Just like no one wanted to play Clemson, by putting Clemson in one of these games, you're going to have to go through Ohio State to then get probably LSU in New Orleans to win this thing again. Like, it is not easy.
1: No, it's not. And I think that at Clemson, you can – I think if you're Dabo, you can simultaneously be really pumped. You know, we win, we dance, we love winning. I think Dabo is probably one of the best in the country at not taking winning for granted. So I think you can simultaneously be really excited about that. But then also, as he has shown, be frustrated about the bigger picture and the national narrative. So, But, I, I mean, the thing, the thing with that is, is these questions aren't going to go away. In fact, they're probably only going to be more magnified as we get to the playoff and reporters from all over are coming in. I mean, the local Clemson media knows like, okay, like, da- let's, we, we've said Dabo off many a time already. <laughs> like we're kind of uh, in the clear in terms of we've, we know how he feels, but there, he's going to get asked about this again from national reporters, Ohio state reporters, and rightfully so this is their job. But it if was, he wants this to go away, it's not going to.
0: It was so funny. So before he came on ESPN during a selection show, I was watching it with my BTN colleagues um, and, you know, I was trying to catch them up to speed on Clemson. So I was telling them, I was like, listen, the things that are important to Dabo where he measures like this team is ahead of where they were last year, turnover margin last year it was like plus one. Now it's plus 14 scoring defense um, and et cetera, et cetera. I was giving them the key stats. And then Dabo gets up there and he's like, yeah, you know, I believe that we are further along than where we were last year. We're plus 14 in turnover margin, <laughs> and we were like plus one or two this time last year and scoring defense and this and that. And I was, and everyone looked at me, and they were like, I was like, yes, I'm in Dabo's head. I got it. You are. It, it took almost yes. all season, but I know how he's going to answer this. So now I feel like you. You made it. Yeah, <laughs> it actually is kind of
1: sometimes, this is a little random and off topic, but sometimes it is kind of fun to project how he's going to answer a question or – and he's he's become a little bit more predictable, and that's kind of fun once you got once you get inside and you know, okay, this is going to set him off. This is not. This is going to be funny. This is, you know, yeah, yeah. Like once you can kind of get into Dabo's mind, because Dabo's mind, as we know, is a very colorful place. I mean,
0: yes, it's unpredictable, but he's he's
1: very entertaining. So if you if you can
0: get in it, that's good. Yes, I agree. Um, before we go, I think we need to do our roses
1: oh yeah it
0: is almost 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 the, the end of the season coincides with the start of bachelor season so they're really Are they doing
1: it again this year where they i got a bone to pick with abc oh they do the bachelor put premiere it up the same night
0: the, i know i hope not, as a championship then we have to avoid bachelor spoils spoilers while working into the. i night. also
1: hate that because i'm like okay you can have a demographic that loves football and The Bachelor.
0: I mean, that is the more important point, especially when they have all these former college football players right. on the show. The crossover is literally built in right there. But point is, we don't have an off season because then we just go into Bachelor season. But in the meantime, thank goodness, we have to give out our final rows from the regular season slash like championship weekend series. Like we will still give these out in the postseason. But this is the last one of a regular coming off of a game weekend. We are giving out roses for individual performances or something that they did off the field, whatever it is. Grace, who would you like to give your rose to today?
1: I am giving my rose to a player that you know very well because you wrote a really awesome feature about him when you were in Clemson, um, T. Higgins. I just thought that he is... I really think that T. Higgins is getting richer by the second with his NFL draft stock. He just played... Out of his mind on Saturday night, Um, he is now one touchdown away, from um, one receiving touchdown away from the all-time Clemson record, which would put him ahead of Sammy Watkins, New Hopkins, obviously some big names. Um, But for his performance, and and because I want people to read your story, because it was a really interesting look into T being a basketball player and how Clemson kind of got on his radar, he gets my rose.
0: I was saying this to someone while he was going off in that ACC title game that it is kind of bizarre, yet to Dabo's point about them being underappreciated, also kind of fitting that T. Higgins is not a Bolitnikoff finalist because to yeah, me it is. he is clearly one of the handful best receivers in the country and people don't realize that. and People don't talk about him, but he's averaging over 20 yards per catch this season. That catch on
1: the sideline too I think was the most impressive catch I've seen all season.
0: I still don't understand how he did it and I've watched I don't it in like slow motion a bunch of times. And I still don't understand how that physically worked, but yeah, it does go along with my story, which was basically just like always throw the ball in his direction because if he is open, he'll be open. And if he's not, he will get it. So that was, that was definitely part of it. So, um, that was a very good choice for a rose. I'm going to give one to someone that you've given some roses to this season, but I have not in a while. Trevor Lawrence, It is just remarkable to me that for someone who started the season making mistakes and also being told that he was making a lot of mistakes all the time, that he has not thrown an interception since October 19th, he has been awesome. Him and Joe Burrow have been the two best quarterbacks in the country the last two months of the year in terms of completion percentage and the way that it just shows when you watch them. Um, But 302 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, in the ACC championship game, getting this offense and his team to a point where they didn't need their starters with a full quarter to go in a conference championship game. For all those reasons, Trevor Lawrence gets my rose. Um, Just been sensational, underappreciated because of the start of the year um, and just capped off the season on such a high note. And, uh, you know, I'm sure this rose will be just the cherry on top of that. Seriously,
1: if he only knew what was (laughs) – going on he did say on saturday that he uh and i what i appreciate about trevor is that he's i feel like he's very candid and doesn't say just the company line and so he was kind of talking saturday about how yeah it got to the point where i would see things and sometimes the good things people were saying about me could be just as dangerous as the bad things so i just cut them all out
0: so trevor so trevor yeah as long as he doesn't cut his hair he can cut us out that's okay (laughs) (laughs) he can cut us Keep the hair. That's all. And that'll do it for this episode of Protect (laughs) the Rock, the Clemson podcast that is always pro hair, pro long hair, luxurious. Pro Hunter Renfro. Pro Hunter Renfro. Pro Trevor Lawrence's hair, panting, whatever gives it that shine. Um, We will be here with you all the way through Clemson's national championship run. We will have free podcasts every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review us. And then on Thursdays, we will have bonus episodes for subscribers of The Athletic Only, and those will be available inside the app. So hang out with us, engage with us, tweet us, email us. Um, We want to hear from you as we go through this run. We will be back Thursday for subscribers only inside The Athletic app, And we'll talk to you then.